it either clipped her or she was hanging on to the car when it drove off. Tonight, the mysterious circumstances of a woman's death on a Surrey road. Plus, <laughs> the sad truth behind a viral video many thought was cute and. Just talking about it makes me burst into tears. How the Queen's funeral will be observed in BC. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. I'm Jordan Armstrong, in for Sarah McDonald. A normally busy neighborhood in Surrey was shut down to traffic late last night and well into the morning as police investigated the strange circumstances of a crash that led to a woman's death. Grace Key has more, including an eyewitness account of the tragedy. A tragic early morning collision in Surrey leaves one woman dead and a driver in police custody. Witnesses were able to rush to the woman's aid and call 911. I'm um, just coming home from the SkyTrain and I was just walking up the street and then I heard a, a woman screaming, like uh, obviously in distress and maybe like banging on a window or something like that. It happened shortly after 1 a.m. Sunday morning near the intersection of 108th Avenue and 133rd Street. Witness Brandon Budgen says a Toyota SUV was stopped in the middle of the street. Cars were honking and a woman was banging on the car window, apparently trying to get in when the vehicle started moving and she was dragged on the ground. All of a sudden I saw the car speed off. I hear like a big like on the ground, like a big smack um, like of a body hitting the floor. Then I saw a woman laying there, saw the car drive up this road right past me just up here. The SUV parked about a half a block away. Seconds later, Brandon saw a man approach the woman on the ground. He ran over and just came right to the person on the floor. He just came right to the person on the floor and was like trying to like talk to them or I couldn't understand what language that they were speaking, but um, was trying to like shake the body, touch the body and like possibly flip it over. And then just as that was happening, the, that's when the police showed up and started CPR. Investigators spent the day collecting statements and canvassing for video. Little information has been released and the relationship between the victim and the driver is unclear. It's pretty crazy. I've not seen anything quite like this here, but obviously, you know, crazy things happen in this area all the time and you always hear about them but yeah. The Integrated Collision Analysis and Reconstruction Service has been called in to assist. Anyone with information including dash cam footage is asked to call Surrey RCMP. Grace Key, Global News. Surrey RCMP are also investigating an early morning drive-by shooting. It happened around 4:30 at a home near 123rd Street and 68th Avenue in Newton. Police say shots were fired into the residence but no one was hurt. Officers are collecting evidence at the scene and canvassing the neighborhood for witnesses. There is no word on any suspects or a vehicle description at this point. Anyone with information is asked to contact RCMP or Crime Stoppers. BC's police watchdog is investigating after four people, including two suspects, were hurt in a crash in Agassiz Saturday afternoon. It happened on Highway 7 near Bodner Road. RCMP say they received reports of a stolen vehicle being driven dangerously by a man and woman suspected in several thefts and wanted on outstanding warrants. Shortly after 12.30 p.m., police tried to stop the suspect's Toyota Matrix before it collided with another vehicle. 
A female passenger in the other vehicle was airlifted to hospital with serious injuries, while the male driver was also hurt. The two suspects were arrested. BC's fall COVID-19 booster campaign kicks into high gear this week. Anyone five and older will be eligible for a regular booster six months after their last shot. For adults, the aim for them is to receive the bivalent vaccines, which are designed to tackle the Omicron strain. Pharmacies have received the bivalents first, and health authority clinics will be up and running by tomorrow. The bivalents are by invitation only through the provincial system. All right, Keith Baldry is here now with more on how all of this is going to unfold. Keith. Oh, the good news, we've been through this before, Jordan. We've been through a number of doses for many people. So we've got a very robust immunization program up and running, and it's going to become very robust through the fall. We're talking about some pretty big numbers. Already the vaccine doses starting to arrive in pretty big amounts. 415,000 doses are on hand already, and they're arriving every week. So that numbers will continue to climb. About 1,000 pharmacies and about 100 healthcare, health authority clinics will be up and running through the fall to administer the vaccine. 600,000 invitations have already been sent out. In fact, 3,800 appointments were made last night and 60,000 appointments are expected this week. So you're going to be getting a call six months after your last booster or your second dose. And again, we're probably going to roll out largely based on ages, the age group 60 to 69. You'll be getting your invitations this week and we may have got it last week. The first people eligible for this are healthcare workers and this has already started with them. About 37,000 doses have already been administered. Healthcare workers, people with immune uh, compromised immune systems, indigenous people, but then uh, we're going to go to the general population as a whole, and that's going to unfold in the coming weeks and months. You're going to be hearing a lot about it. I think we're going to hear from Health Minister Adrian Dix and Provincial Health Officer Dr. Barney Henry later in the week as they unveil new modeling of what to expect in the fall, both in terms of the flu season and what's going on with COVID-19. But the advice is go get your booster dose when you're invited. All right. Lots to watch for. Thanks, Keith. RCMP are focusing their search for a missing senior on a specific, specific area of New Westminster. 65-year-old Rajesh Verma was last seen by family in the 8800 block of Armstrong Avenue in Burnaby Thursday afternoon. Police are now asking anyone who was near Sapperton Landing Park or Westminster Pier Park in New Westminster between 4 and 6 p.m. on Thursday to contact them if they recall seeing or interacting with Verma. The senior was last seen wearing a white long sleeve shirt, black runners with white soles and dark blue pants. Coquitlam RCMP are asking for the public's help to find a missing senior. 90-year-old Wen Fong Chan was last seen yesterday morning at 9.30. He is 5 foot 7, 140 pounds with short gray hair. He was last seen wearing a white face mask, a beige long sleeve shirt, blue jeans and a light colored hat. His family and police are concerned for his well-being. Anyone with information should contact Coquitlam RCMP. It is the worst possible outcome for a wild animal. A black bear made famous on social media last week has been killed. Viral video showed the animal eating food that it took from inside a house in North Vancouver. As Travis Prasad reports, the BC Conservation Officer Service says that bold behavior meant they had no choice. We've all had unexpected guests at the door. Hey, buddy, I'm just going to close this. But they don't always look like this. Viral video shows a black bear feasting on frozen food after opening the front door of a house in North Vancouver. So, that bear got in the fridge. It's absolutely amazing that he could enter a home 
and do no damage other than go straight to the freezer and remove food and picnic outside. It's a level of comfort in a human habitat that officials decided was too risky. Conservation officers destroyed the animal on Thursday. In a statement, they say they tried setting up a trap to capture the bear, but were unsuccessful. Concerning, the bear's behavior escalated even further by trying numerous times to enter multiple houses in the neighborhood. Garbage and food scraps not properly secured are what officers say brought the bear to the community. The bears are attracted to what is available and then other opportunities like an open door. People are reminded to secure garbage and organic waste bins, freeze odorous food scraps, keep barbecues clean and try not to leave pet food outside. And there's a lot of social pressure in uh, many streets that the people educate one another and put pressure on one another to do it right. But it's it just not enough. <laughs> oh. And it's no laughing matter when innocent animals keep losing their lives. Travis Prasad, Global News. More good news tonight on the fire front. The Bear Hole Lake fire burning in the Prince George region was downgraded today and is no longer considered a wildfire of note. It has been burning about 30 kilometers east of Tumbler Ridge and grew to more than 6,200 hectares. The BC Wildfire Service says cooler temperatures and rain are significantly dampening fire activity. Crews are focused on mopping up and patrolling the area. This means the Battleship Mountain Fire in the Peace Region is the only wildfire of note in BC right now. The queue is now closed. Just ahead on the news hour, the rush to witness history as world leaders arrive in London for the Queen's funeral. Plus, we'll just keep seating people until there's no space left. The BC service and procession for the Queen and how it will unfold. This is a live shot from Westminster Hall in London as thousands continue to view the coffin of Queen Elizabeth II. Officials have now said they have reached final capacity and the queue is closed to new entrants. The lying in state is set to end at 10.30 p.m. Pacific time, that's 6.30 a.m. in London, when the Queen's coffin will be taken to nearby Westminster Abbey for her state funeral. And there is confirmation tonight that nine-year-old Prince George and seven-year-old Princess Charlotte will attend their great-grandmother's funeral. They will, of course, be joined by hundreds of world leaders and dignitaries who have now arrived in London. Global's Redmond Shannon reports. U.S. President Joe Biden pausing to reflect by the coffin of Queen Elizabeth. She became monarch when Biden was just nine years old. She had that look like, uh, are you okay? Anything I can do for you? What do you need? And then also make sure you do what you're supposed to do. <laughs> Biden is among 500 heads of state, heads of government and foreign royals here in London including Ukraine's First Lady, Olena Zelenska. Police outside Westminster Hall shutting down intersections all day as VIPs come to pay their respects. One invited leader who reportedly won't be coming to the funeral is Saudi Arabia's Mohammed bin Salman. The busy schedule continues for the new king, Charles hosting a reception for leaders and dignitaries at Buckingham Palace. His brother, the disgraced Prince Andrew, paid tribute to the Queen Sunday, saying he found her knowledge and wisdom infinite, with no boundary or containment. And from the new Queen consort Camilla, recalling the very different era when Elizabeth became Queen. It must have been so difficult for her being a solitary woman. 
there weren't women prime ministers or women presidents. Um, she was the only one, so I think she carved her own role. For members of the public who still wish to see the Queen lying in state, time is running out. The queue is being closed on Sunday. Those at the end of it right now expected to reach Westminster Hall in the early hours of Monday morning. Respect, please. There you go. Thank you. Right round there, yeah? A last-minute rush to be part of history before it's too late. I came all this far. I will make it. I have faith. I will make it. If I don't make it, I wouldn't forgive myself. Driven very sensibly and down the M1 and ran very fast. So now we're going to hot foot it. We're yeah. ready for the elements. We've got a little backpack ready to go. Redmond Shannon, Global News, London. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau spoke earlier today ahead of the Queen's funeral and took a moment to reflect on his experience of seeing the Queen lying in state. I also uh, attended the lying in state at Westminster Hall, which was an extraordinary moment to uh, see and pay respects to uh, Her Late Majesty, but also to watch the crowds of Londoners and people from all across the UK and around the world gather to pay their final respects and express their deep gratitude towards someone who has served uh, this country and this world extraordinarily. The PM also recognized the Canadian delegation joining him at tomorrow's proceedings, calling them extraordinary Canadians who have represented the very best of our country through politics, military service and the arts. A reminder, we will have live coverage of the Queen's state funeral on Monday, starting at 2 a.m. Pacific, right here on Global BC, globalnews.ca and our streaming platforms. It will also be rebroadcast on BC One at 3 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. Here in B.C., the province's memorial service honoring the Queen will be in Victoria tomorrow. But as Julie Nolan reports, a smaller ceremony was held today in New Westminster, which until recently carried the nickname the Royal City. From the coins in your wallet, to the stamps in your letters, there she was. Gathered here in New Westminster to remember Queen Elizabeth, this is the only service being held on B.C.'s mainland ahead of the funeral service in London. About 200 people here at Queen's Park to pay tribute to the Queen and her life and reign. A time of contemplation and a time for all of us to remember somebody that's been such an integral part of Canadian lives is now gone. Members of the Society of the Honourable Guard had originally planned events this fall to celebrate the Queen's Jubilee, quickly changing course and planning this service when she passed away September 8th. I think a lot of people are glued to the TV watching it, but it's lovely to have people come out here and pay their respects personally. People lined up to sign a book of condolence, which will be sent to King Charles in the coming weeks. She's been my queen for like when I've, for my whole life, when I was born. So it's like she was a part of me. And when she died, it was really sad. It's just devastating. I can't be back in the UK right now. Um, so we are planning a trip to Europe at the end of the month, which is why we're going then, and that's already been planned. But um, like I say, I will be up, uh, I think, at 2.30 in the morning, our time. In Victoria on Monday, the commemorative service will begin at the BC Parliament building at 9.45 a.m., followed by a procession and 21-gun salute. Christ Church Cathedral will hold a service at 11 a.m. and members of the public are advised to come early. 
The center doors on Quadra Street of the cathedral will open at 9.30 a.m. and there will be people to assist the public to be seated and we'll just keep seating people until there's no space left. Julie Nolan, Global News. Inside a Chinatown institution devastated by fire. Most of the stuff in here and inside the fridge is all garbage now. Up next, what's left of a much-loved restaurant and how the community is rallying to help the owner. Plus, living on the edge of a mountain, the BC skier carving an extreme path. That's later on the News Hour. After surviving COVID, a popular legacy restaurant in Vancouver's Chinatown was recently dealt another blow when fire tore through their building. Known for its affordable prices and feeding low-income residents, the community is now helping Gain Wah get back on its feet. Kristen Robinson reports. It's difficult for Andrew Leung to unlock the door to devastation. I just hope for the best, see, uh, see what I can do. Even with his restaurant in ruins, He's determined to resurrect 41 years of memories. My reaction the first day is just horrible. The second day is still horrible. Earlier this month, the Gainwa owner was working in the kitchen when a fire broke out. So I charge out and tell the girls to grab the bags and get out of here. Vancouver Fire says the accidental blaze traveled up the vent exiting on the building's roof. Water damage temporarily displaced close to 40 tenants of Kiefer rooms. I know them all. So uh, I, I really feel sad when this happened. Leung helped a friend open Gainois in 1981. Eight years later, he took over as owner. Leung and his dining room served the silver screen in 2016's Finding Mr. Right 2. He recently worked 13 hours, six days a week to survive the pandemic while keeping menu prices low. That's a steal. Including real crab meat fried rice for $9. A lot of people around here don't, don't really have much money. So $9 is, is actually affordable for them. I, I lose the job, I lose my customer. The feeling is sad. Leung's two employees also out of work. Tracy Lee has been at the front counter since 1993, learning English on the job. I have a good feeling here. Everybody is my teacher. I basically have lunch with every key player in Chinatown here before. Community organizer Nicholas Young started eating at Gainois as a student. During challenging times, he heard stories of hurt and resilience. I truly think I learned how to love, really, like here more than anywhere else. We need this place. It's mean too much for the community. Young is helping fundraise to ensure the Gainois legacy lives on with Leung, who just turned 65, or a new owner at the helm. It's going to be a lot of work, uh, especially for my age, but I, I will still try my best to restart it. I learned a sentence from the movie, I'll be back. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Outrage in Iran and across the globe after the death of Massa Amini. The 22-year-old collapsed into a coma and died while in police custody, reportedly arrested over the way she wore her headscarf. In Vancouver, Iranian-Canadians lined up in front of the art gallery this afternoon to show their solidarity. They are demanding justice and equal rights for women in that country. The organizer of today's protest says Amini is now a symbol of all Iranian women. Whenever I wanted to talk about this, I get emotional. Because this could be me, this could be my daughter, this could be my niece, my friends who's, uh, who live there. So every day, this is a life of the woman 
in Iran from the last 40 years. From the last 40 years. I myself spent two years in prison because of such a not having the right of what to wanted to wear in Iran. For more than 40 years, the headscarf has been mandatory for women in Iran, and members of the morality police enforce the strict dress code. Honoring a local hero. The first in-person Terry Fox runs in three years, including in Terry's hometown of Port Coquitlam. We'll take you there next. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. A strong earthquake has rocked much of Taiwan, killing at least one person and injuring nine others. Security cameras caught this terrifying moment when the ceiling of a gym collapsed, forcing badminton players to run for cover as the 6.8 tremor, along with aftershocks, hit the country's east. The quake toppled a three-story building, collapsed roads, trapping hundreds of tourists on a mountainside, and caused a passenger train to derail. More than 7,000 households have lost power. In Puerto Rico, Hurricane Fiona battered the island, knocking out power to the entire U.S. territory. The storm is packing fierce winds of 130 kilometers an hour and triggering flash floods. It is feared Fiona will also bring record rain and mudslides. The storm has already devastated the French territory of Guadeloupe, killing at least one person. And now to western Alaska, where another powerful storm traveling north through the Bering Strait battered the region. Crashing waves caused widespread flooding and damage along Alaska's coastline, even forcing some homes off their foundations. So far, there have been no reports of injuries or deaths from that storm. Turning to our weather now, and let's find out how long this warm stretch will last. Here's Yvonne. Thanks, Jordan, and good evening, everyone. Yeah, it's been very pleasant out there. We've had some sunshine in the mix, and it is going to be warmer in the coming days, and I'll have some of those numbers coming up in just a moment. A quick shot of what it looks like out there. We're currently sitting at 18 degrees. We've got a northwesterly wind at 15 kilometers per hour. I'm just going to shimmy this way because I need to turn on one of my monitors. Um, we are seeing those temperatures on the rise. Here's a look at some of the numbers that we've been tracking through the day today. It has been pleasant, uh, but we are going to see an increase in the coming days. It's all courtesy of a ridge of high pressure that has been in place. Now, here's a quick snapshot of our plan. Overnight tonight we'll dip down to 10 degrees. As we get in through the afternoon, it'll be a warm one. We'll have temperatures closer to 20, but it's away from the water that will be at 25. And when you factor in the Humidex, we'll be sitting at 27 degrees. We've got a ridge that's building in place. The northeastern corners of the province, that's where we're seeing the potential still for some rainfall this evening. It should taper off late, and the cloud cover for the southern interior is going to clear out as well. Now, there's the precipitation that should ease off. Most areas for the southern half of the province will be basking in that sunshine. It's the Columbia, though, a very slight chance to see an isolated shower. That ridge is going to build in. The warmer days will be Monday through Wednesday for most areas along the south coast. And then a bit of a reprieve, but it is still going to be warm and sunny towards the end of the week. And then by Friday, we could see an increase in cloud cover. Those are the temperatures that we're tracking. So anywhere between 26, potentially up to 28, especially when you factor in the humidex. So it's going to be a warm start to the week. And then we'll be into the low 20s as we look ahead towards Thursday, Friday, and potentially in towards next weekend as well. Now, the northern half of the 
province will bump up to 16 degrees. That'll be the high inland tomorrow up to 20. It'll be drying out for the northeastern corners, areas near the peace. Much of the central interior will be sitting underneath the partly cloudy sky, and it's the Columbia. I've left in that 30% chance of an isolated shower. There may be more cloud cover just for the morning hours, and then easing off towards the afternoon. Much of the southern interior will be into the low 20s, and then a touch warmer for Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Whistler will climb up to 22, and then along the south coast, we are looking at that temperature on the rise. It'll feel more summer-like. We'll be up to around 25 with the Huvidex, 27 degrees. And then for the first day of fall, we'll be closer to 19. But check out Tuesday, Wednesday, Jordan. Temperatures away from the water, up to 26, paired with some sunshine. Back to you. Amazing. And can I just say, I'm in awe of your multitasking. <laughs> Turn on that monitor. You had to go behind a big screen, yes. search for a teeny tiny button, yes. all without missing a beat. And not even looking at any of the graphics that were up. But yes. Well done. A <laughs> pro. Thanks, Yvonne. After a two-year pandemic pause, Terry Fox runs were back in a big way, including in his hometown of Port Coquitlam. Thousands of people ran, walked, or rolled on the 10K route that started from the Hyde Creek Recreation Center this morning. The 42nd annual Terry Fox Run is expected to draw an estimated 4 million people in a record 560 communities across the country today. The annual fundraiser honors Terry Fox's 1980 Marathon of Hope that was cut short by cancer. His legacy is, continues on to today. All of us know someone who's been touched by cancer. Maybe yourself or others around you are, are going through a, a cancer struggle right now. And Terry gives hope. And he's really allowing us to uh, find that cure, hopefully very, very soon. The Terry Fox Foundation has raised more than $850 million over the decades to aid in cancer research. And, off you and a solid turnout in Langley City for the Terry Fox run there. Participants headed out from Douglas Park and enjoyed a scenic circle through Portage Park. Great to see that event back in person. I know it's an important one for so many families, Barry. Definitely, definitely for us, of course. Yeah, for Our sure. Our daughter had uh, cancer and is doing just fine. So we have to thank uh, people at Terry Fox uh, Run for sure for that. Very important cause. Yeah, well, the Seahawks, of course, the Seahawks fans were chanting Gino, Gino last week when they beat Denver. Today they were chanting, oh no, oh no, <laughs> because Gino kind of played like he used to play before last week uh, today and for not all his fault of course but the Seahawks were never in it against the 49ers so I'll some highlights of that and uh, the Young Stars the Canucks uh, rookies took on the Winnipeg Jet rookies out in Penticton at the Young Stars tournament we have some highlights of that coming up as well all right we will look for that thanks Barry also coming up an event to learn and to heal it's been beautiful to watch everybody just coming together the sights, the sounds, and the takeaways from the Stalu powwow at the Langley Events Center. I think there are still questions that need to be answered here. This was a high-risk, high-reward strategy. So we wanted to set the record straight. But at the end of the day, we talk, and where we talk is right here at CKNW. Two weeks after the fatal mass stabbing in central Saskatchewan, communities are coming together to support each other. First Nations from around that province are donating food for members of James Smith Cree Nation. Shock, fear, grief, and now coming together. 
The last two weeks have been exhausting for members of James Smith Cree Nation and surrounding communities. People have been, you know, just kind of going from day to day and some of them don't have, didn't even take time to go shopping for groceries or doing their house chores or you name it. We've been all supporting each other. Although the funerals are now done, compassion prevails. Donations continue to flood in from across Saskatchewan, while members of other First Nations come to James Smith, cooking 1,500 pounds of freshly caught fish. I'm very happy for other communities that came out, because I talked to some of the people here that come here, and they, they felt the pain of our people, and they helped, they're helping us, they helped us uh, carry that burden. The selflessness provided by other First Nations gives hope to a community where everyone was somehow touched by senseless violence. Oh, our community is not, um, it's not about the tragedy. Our, our community is a close-knit community and we have a lot of good things that happen here. Community members still manage to smile despite the rawness from the stabbings earlier this month. As leaders look to the future, supporting their young people and keeping them busy is a priority. Our education system, we're, uh, we're bringing in mental health workers to call if, uh, if need be. So that's, uh, we continue on that work for our young people, uh, sports, and, sports and recreations uh, programs. In the meantime, members of James Smith show their resilience. They are filled with gratitude and hope from the support that's come countrywide. Tegan Rasha, Global News. A celebration was held at the Langley Event Centre this weekend, inviting the community to learn more about Indigenous culture and art. Global's Michael Newman has more on the first ever Stalu Powwow. Here on the ground at the Langley Event Centre for the Stalu Powwow, and as you can hear behind me, the energy, the heartbeat of the drum, the drum beat has been carrying through this weekend a celebration of Indigenous culture. Take a look. For three days, dancers, drummers and spectators gather together, united by the drum, the heartbeat of the powwow. Each day was opened up with the host nations of the Kwanlin, Keitsi, Semiamu and Matsukui Nation being honored in a grand entry procession. And throughout the weekend, powwow competitors of all generations shed their ornate regalia and footwork while the drummers shared the songs and the medicine of the drum. Oh man, the feelings, oh, there's no words to explain it. Something that I want to share with my son, teach him the way of the drum. Organized by the Salu Arts and Culture Society, the aim of this inaugural event is to share, honor, and celebrate indigenous culture. It's about just um, bringing everybody together and uh, just sharing the celebration and the love and the connection to our land and our people. And a major component of the weekend was to create a place of connection and inclusivity. Where no matter where you're from, you could come and participate and experience what powwow culture is all about. So overall, a really powerful event, bringing together the community, indigenous and non-indigenous, to learn, to understand, to heal, and to celebrate tradition and culture. Michael Newman reporting from Stalu Powwow. Technically, the Whitecaps are still alive. It seems that we like to make impossible missions. What Coach Vanny thinks of their slim playoff chances just ahead.
From the stories that touch us all to the events happening all around us. When BC needs to connect, BC turns to the source that brings us together. Global News. Connect. Be part of the CIBC Run for the Cure. On October 2nd, join the Canadian Cancer Society and folks across the province as they run to support all Canadians impacted by breast cancer. Sign up for an event in your area at CIBCRunForTheCure.com. Support hungry kids in our community this school season with Backpack Buddies. A $20 donation to Backpack Buddies gives a hungry child an entire backpack full of food to last an entire weekend so they can return to school happy, healthy, and ready to learn. For RBC, I'm Michael Newman. If you want to know, it's on the hub. If you want to show, it's on the hub. If you want to go, it's on the Global BC Community Hub. Navigate your now. Time for sports and berries here, starting with the Seahawks. Mm -hmm. I, I realized I kept saying Gino, Gino, Gino during the uh, promo. I realized. Maybe not Gino Ogie. Not Gino, Gino, Gino That Smith. was my first thought. Gino Smith, their quarterback. I, got you. I think I got we you. talk about him so much in our sport department that we just <laughs> were on a first-name basis with him. All right, thanks, Jordan. Uh, let's be honest. The Seahawks were fortunate to win their season opener against the Broncos on Monday thanks to a couple of Denver fumbles at the goal line and some questionable Broncos coaching decisions. Gino Smith had a great first half in that game for the Seahawks but did not do anything in the second half. So what would the Seahawks' number one quarterback have in store for the first road game of the season today in San Francisco. Pete Carroll's team, the only one from the NFC West that won its opener, but it does not start well for the 49ers. Their starting quarterback, Trey Lance, gets his right ankle caught up during this tackle. That is not good. Carted off the field, and afterwards, it's a broken ankle, so he is done for the season. Jimmy Garoppolo is in. Ironically, he got hurt against the Seahawks last year in San Fran, and Lance took over for him. Garoppolo finds a wide-open Ross Dwelly, 38-yard touchdown, 13 to nothing for the 49ers early second. Meanwhile, Geno Smith looking to get something going. His pass over the middle is tipped by the 49ers and then picked off by the 49ers. San Fran did not turn the turnover into any points. However, Seahawks actually threatening later in the second, but the razzle-dazzle call backfires. Running back DJ Dallas proving why he is not a quarterback. That is a brutal pass. Picked off in the end zone. It remains 13-0. Third quarter, now 20-0. San Fran looking to attack on another three with the short field goal, but Robbie Gold's kick blocked by Tariq Woolen. Michael Jackson scoops and scores 85 yards to the end zone and the Seahawks have some life it's 20 to 7 fourth quarter got to get something from this offense shut out since late second quarter on Monday night but Geno Smith sacked by Nick Bosa Seahawks offense non-existent they get steamrolled 27-7 by the 49ers more NFL in a moment, but first, uh, it's probably too little too late, but the Whitecaps are still mathematically alive with two games to go in the MLS season. Vancouver capped off a splendid two-game set on home turf last night, beating their rivals from Seattle 2-1. That coming on the heels of a 3-0 victory over the LA Galaxy midweek. It was passionate, entertaining soccer, but you wonder why these performances now, when their playoff chances are all but dashed. Whitecap coming off that 3-0 win over the Galaxy, as mentioned, picked up where they left off last night. A beautiful play here by Ryan Gold. Dances past the defender, serves it up for Pedro Vite, who scores for the second straight game. The 20-year-old Ecuadorian uh, finally showing why the Caps are so high on him. Later off the throw-in from Luis Martins. 
Brian White will uh, elevate in the box and flick it on to Julian Gressel, who drills the volley past Stefan Fry. 2-0, the Whitecaps in their best 45 of the year. They go on for the 2-1 win. They are still alive, barely, up to ninth place, three points back as seventh, but with just two games to go. That's the group is good. We have a, that we have a good team. And uh, uh, again, uh, I'm, I don't want to say pissed. I'm just uh, uh, now I'm thinking about the first eight games where we made four points. The group is good. We have all players now. Now everyone is fit. It seems that we like to make impossible missions. So let's, let's try to do another one. <laughs> This one will be tougher than last year. All right, back to the NFL. Defending champs Rams looking to bounce back after being manhandled by the Bills in their opener. Matthew Stafford to Cooper Cup for the touchdown. This is not a surprise. 21-3 at the Rams at the half. Cooper Cup catches everything. Everyone knows they're throwing to him, but he gets open and he does it again here. Look at that move. 11 more catches today. 24 catches in two games. Rams get their first win. 31-27 the final over the Falcons. Arizona Cardinals in Vegas to take on the Raiders. Raiders in total control, led by 16 mid-fourth. But Arizona got one touchdown, and then literally on the final snap of regulation, Kyler Murray runs it in for the touchdown to make it 23-21. They need the two-pointer to tie it, and Murray delivers to A.J. Green at the back of the end zone. Cardinals, amazingly, force overtime. In OT, the Raiders very close to field goal range to get the win, but after the catch, the Cardinals force the fumble, and it's Byron Murphy who scoops up the loose ball and races 59 yards for the game-winning touchdown. An amazing turning events, uh, turn of events in Vegas. You can say that a few times if you've ever been there. 29-23 cards, all four teams in the NFC West, now 1-1 one one on the season. Tom Brady and the Bucks in New Orleans. Dull game until early fourth. Brady Gets into it with the Saints' Marshawn Lattimore. Leonard Fournette comes to the Goats' defense, gets shoved. That ignites a fire under Mike Evans, who launches Lattimore with a big hit. More action than the game right now. Evans and Lattimore were both ejected for their troubles, but that really seemed to fire up Brady and the Bucks, who've really struggled against the Saints in uh, recent games. Brady with a perfect pass to Brashad Perriman for the touchdown, a 28-yarder, and the Bucks win it 20 to 10. They are now 2-0 this season. Russell Wilson making his home debut in Orange as a Denver Bronco. It was not pretty. They were down 9-6 in the fourth, but Wilson finds tight end Eric Sobert for a 22-yard touchdown. Broncos take it 16-9. Wilson was just 14 of 31 for 219 yards and a pick, but he got the win, and that's what they pay him for. Bengals and Cowboys. Dallas without Dak Prescott for six weeks with a broken hand, but the Cowboys led this one throughout until late fourth. Joe Burrow to T. Higgins for the touchdown. The two-pointer tied it up 17-17, but on the final play of the game from 50 yards out, Brent Maher to win it for Dallas, and from 50 yards, he will knock it through, and the Cowboys win it 2017. Cincinnati, the defending AFC champs, are now 0-2. Some baseball now. Blue Jays looking to complete a three-game sweep of the Orioles. Bottom seven, Jays up 2-1, add to the lead. 
Vladdy Guerrero Jr. hits it with one hand, but this dude is pretty strong. Powers it over the wall. Solo shot is 29th homer. Jays led 3-1. Ninth inning, Jordan Romano on for the save. Usually it's money, but the Orioles loaded the bases, and then Adley Rutschman shoots it to left against the shift. Two-run score. Orioles got three in the inning, a blown save for Romano. Jays lose 5-4. They still lead the wild card. Seattle also lost just two and a half weeks to go in the Major League regular season. A rainy day in Napa, California. Final round of the Fortinet Championship. Abbotsford's Nick Taylor made a nice charge on the final day at 14 off the green. Chips in for birdie. And then on his next hole, he will roll in another one. He made uh, three straight birdies on the back. Final round, four under 68 for Nick. Finishes sixth at 11 under one. 270,000 U.S. dollars. That'll buy a bottle or two of that fine Napa Valley Merlot. Surrey's Adam Svensson finished tied 12th. 18th hole, Max Homa needed to make that shot to force a playoff with Danny Willett or at least have a chance. There's Willett smiling. He can't believe it. But he still has a chance to win if he can make that putt. But he misses. He rolls it by five feet. Now he's got to make it just to force a playoff with Homa. And would you believe, oh, he misses. Heartbreak for Danny Willett, who thought he had this one in the bag. But Max Homa wins the first tournament of the new season, the Fortinet Championship. And Young Stars Tournament from Penticton. Canucks prospects taking on the Winnipeg Jets. Second period, down Danila Klimovich. Great pass from the sideboards to Tristan Nielsen. Wide open net for the former Vancouver Giant. 2-1 Canucks. Klimovich won't turn 20 until January. He's got a year in his uh, a pro under his belt in Abbotsford. He should make big strides this year. And on cue, it's Klimovich on the rebound to give the Canucks a 3-1 lead after two. And... Vancouver's youngsters tack on one more in the third. They get the turnover behind the Winnipeg net, and it'll be Mark Gatcombe with the wraparound, his second of the game, and the Canucks win this one by the final of 4-1. to one. Young Stars Tournament concludes tomorrow with a couple of games. The Canucks play the Oiler Rookies tomorrow afternoon at 2.30, and the Canucks' main camp starts Thursday in Whistler, and a week from today, they start exhibition games. So the NHL season's really coming quick. It sure is. All right. Thanks, Barry. Mm -hmm. She is an internationally acclaimed freestyle skier. That means she doesn't do the green runs. <laughs> she's in a new film, and she's from B.C. You'll meet her right after the break. This is insightful. This is in-depth. This is instrumental. This is inspiring. This is BC. The special stories that shape our province as suggested by our viewers. This is BC with Jay Durant. Real people, real stories on Global News Hour at 6. This is BC with Jay Durant is brought to you in part by Van Cam Freightways. Celebrating 75 years of being Western Canada's leading LTL service provider. A BC skier is featured in the new film Magic Hour, premiering this weekend. As Jay Durant reports in This is BC, Christina Lustenberger has not only been the first to ski down many BC mountains, she's also finding her own way to the summit. By the time the sun rises, we'll be hopefully up on the ridge. There's no free ride to the top of these unfamiliar peaks. Christina Lustenberger's incredible mountaineering abilities are just part of the skill set that's helped define her legacy. There's no beta. There's no information. You really have to put all the different pieces of the puzzle together yourself. 
from navigation, weather, conditions, snowpack, the partners, logistics and timing and everything. The Purcell mountain range runs along the west side. Of She's the now accomplished first ascents on close to a dozen BC mountains, each trip full of countless risks. Really don't want to have happen is an avalanche in any sort of terrain. Um, there's slough management. There's the hazard of just falling, flipping a rock. Born into a family that loved the mountains, she was on skis by the time she was two. She competed in the Olympics and on the World Cup circuit, but moved on to something much bigger after retiring from competition. It's really neat to see the perspective and how small you are. Your body and mind enter this flow state where you just have to be hyper-focused on everything that is happening around you. The Revelstoke native will never get tired of the thrill of pushing off from the summit, knowing that there is no turning back. It becomes a really intense situation. Every turn matters. What goes up must come down, and with endless BC mountains still to conquer, the rewards for being the first to tackle new terrain are limitless. Oh, There's few moments in our life where we feel really wow. proud about something that we've accomplished and feeling that just sends a goosebumps through your body. Jay Durant, Global News. And if you think you have a great BC story for Jay, email your ideas to This Is BC at globalnews.ca. Those mountains look great, Yvonne, but we're still talking about summer-like weather yeah, around here. We've got a still a few, a few more days until we hit our first day of fall, but it's actually going to feel summer-like. Temperatures very pleasant, warming up, especially away from the water, 25 and 26. Factor in the humidex tomorrow. We're feeling closer to 27 degrees. It'll still be cooler for the evening and overnights, and then our first day of fall, we may start to see a bit more cloud cover rolling in. Good stuff. Thank you. A reminder, our coverage of the state funeral of Queen Elizabeth II starts at 2 a.m. Pacific Monday right here on Global. Meantime, stay tuned now for the 55th season premiere of 60 Minutes. Good night.